0: Ik wil het niet te
1: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Welcome. We're glad that you're here. It's a rainy day outside, but we're glad to be here where it is warm and dry and uh, together as we worship God with, uh, with one another. We welcome everyone. We welcome our guests, especially. You're very important to us. We're glad that you're here and hope that God's going to bless you in a very special way. I've got a couple of guests here. My my uh, my two much older and uh, uh, brothers are, are here Wiser. today.
0: <laughs>
1: Wiser, that's debatable, but <laughs> they're pretty smart. And my sister in law, Susie, is, is here, so we're glad that you're here this uh, this morning as well. Uh, uh, let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets. I'd like to ask if you would to take those on each row and uh, fill those out. Put your name, address, phone number, and especially if you'd like to receive our email newsletter each week, put your email address on there. It's a good way to. Keep up with the activities of of Community Baptist Church. And speaking of which, we have a number of activities I'd like to call to your attention. Uh, First of all, your your bulletin says we're going to be having a missions and ministry meeting, um, a team meeting today. We're not going to be having that meeting this afternoon. Uh, We feel like we, we don't need to, so we're not going to meet just to meet. So uh, we're not going to be having that meeting at 3.30 this afternoon. However, we will be having the present-future study at 5 o'clock this afternoon. Uh, So those those of you who are part of that, uh, please be here for that. Also, our youth are raising funds uh, with onions. Uh, They are selling 10-pound bags of Vidalia onions, and you could place your order. I think there's an order sheet on the table as you leave or you can see Virginia Marseille or one of our youth, and they'll be able to take care of you with that. And uh, we will be serving lunch on Tuesday uh, at the King's Kitchen uh, downtown, be serving lunch to our homeless friends down there. And uh, I'm I'm sorry, not this Tuesday, but next Tuesday. Ah, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, Next Tuesday on the 28th. And we could use a couple of... um, couple of volunteers for that. So if you'd like to help volunteer for that, please see Jika or uh, Christine. And we are continuing to to sign up for our extreme build and there's a sign up sheet on the on the table as you as you go out. And our extreme build, this will be on June the 7th through the 13th. And that is a remarkable experience. If you've never experienced this, let me encourage you to because we leave here on Sunday afternoon after church and drive uh, over into eastern Kentucky, into McCreary County. And when we get there, there's usually the, uh, the, the footings of a house is there, the foundation is there, and maybe some of the framing is up. And on Monday morning, we get to work. And there's about 100 volunteers from all over Kentucky uh, gathering together and working together. And within one week's time, we complete the house completely. It is, it is tremendous to see this happen. And on Saturday, we have a celebration and hand the keys over to the new owners. So this is a great opportunity and I uh, hope that you can join us. Please sign up over here. And we also need, you don't have to go for the whole week. You can go for a few days if you want. But we need to know what days you're going to be there so we can arrange for your hotel, uh, hotel arrangements there. There are other opportunities in your bulletin, so we Im- invite you to uh, to look at those and uh, uh, take advantage of those as you have opportunity. And it's good t- to be here to- today with each of you. We got uh,
0: the blood drive. blood drive. Blood in
1: that's in May, May the May the sixth. So, so prom, and, and prom. Yes, our our and that's not even in, in the bulletin, is it? I don't think it is. That it needs to be in the bulletin. Um, yeah, our yeah our our, our prom. We're, we're having our, our our high school had a prom last night. Did y'all have fun, guys? Yeah, <laughs> yeah some of them going, Yeah, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> okay, our high school had a prom last night, and and we're having a prom next Saturday. Next Saturday, next Saturday for the brain injury adventure camp, and that will be at six o'clock, and that's a great thing. So. Uh, come and volunteer for that. Uh, we could use your help uh, just being here. We could use your help. I think they, they do hair and makeup and decorate the, place. Decorate the place. Man, we, this, this place is just turned upside down, and it really looks great, and a lot of fun is had, and a lot of people are ministered to and blessed by this activity. So come and be a part of that. We just got so much going on here. It's just hard to, to, to enumerate it all, but it's good to be busy in the work of God. So let's stand now and let's sing our song of gathering, only believe. Join me as we pray together. O oh God, in whom our lives find meaning and by whom our lives are sustained, we offer you our praise and thanksgiving. For you alone are the creator of the universe. Before this world existed, O oh God, You were God. Before time began, you were God. And we confess that such greatness is beyond our understanding. But you have chosen to know us, to call us by name, to love us, to care for us, to become as we are, to suffer the pain that we feel. It is a wonder and a mystery, and while we cannot profess to understand it all, we do give thanks for your grace. But there are some for whom the mystery of life has turned dark and threatening. There are those who wonder why in a world able to sustain us all, they must go hungry. There are those who are locked into a prison of poverty. And they wonder how they will ever escape. There are those who suffer. Those who suffer from illness. Those who suffer in body and spirit. Those who suffer the cold pangs of fear and the persistent pain of worry. And there are those who suffer the agony of questions that have no answers. For these we pray. And we confess, O oh Lord, that sometimes we have tried to offer answers that were too easy rather than to live with the uncertainty of the questions. Forgive us when we try to reduce you to something more manageable than more mysterious. Forgive us when we try to fit you into our lives rather than finding our lives in You. Be with us this day, O God. Expose us to the glory of who You are. And then send us on our way with the good news of Your resurrection in our lives and on our lips. We pray this in Your name. Amen.
2: Today's responsive reading is titled Witness. Please join me in our responsive reading. God of creation, the silence is broken. With the women in the garden, we catch our breath, wipe our tears, and try to articulate our experience with you. What words can describe shadows fleeing from the tomb? How can we tell the morning the world turned
0: upside down?
2: Still, we must spread the news Christ is risen.
1: Our knees are weak from running. Our voices tremble on the edge of fearful
0: joy. Our eyes have seen the glory of the Lord loosened on all the world.
2: May every breath we take, every word we utter, everything we do witness to the truth of Christ's resurrection.
3: Our scripture for this morning is taken from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 36 through 48. While they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and terrified and thought they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, Why are you frightened and why why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While in their joy they were disbelieving and still wondering, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. And he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scripture and he said to them, thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day and that the repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks 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 be to God. God.
2: I promise. I don't think my ear of corn will either. I don't know, though. So, in the scripture passage that Miss Mary just read for us, the disciples were having a hard time kind of believing and trusting that Jesus was really there with them. He'd come back. And their faith was kind of, I don't want to say wavering, but their faith wasn't as strong as it should be. But what is faith? Jesus had come back to say, be strong in your faith. That faith is believing what we don't necessarily see. Now, I bought this ear of corn at the store yesterday. And I have faith that inside of this husk, there's a nice ear of corn that I'm going to cook and eat tonight. I'm excited about that. But I don't know for sure, because I didn't peel back all the husk and everything. But, but I believe that it's there, and I have faith that it's there, but I can't see it. Do you all believe that there's an ear of corn in there? Yeah? Should we should we peel it back a little bit and see? Okay. Let's see what we can find in here. It's got a lot of husk there.
0: I think I got all husked.
2: There's an ear of corn. It's there. Yep. there sure enough. There's an ear of corn under there. Finally. And I and I have faith that I can take that ear of corn and it's going to taste really good when I cook it tonight. I also have faith that I can take one of these kernels. And plant it in the ground and grow another stalk that's going to give me more ears of corn. Now, can I see that there's a stalk of corn in one of these kernels? No. I can't see that it'll grow, but I know that it will because I have faith that it will. And I have faith that with God's help, that corn will grow and produce more corn. Which then, I have to have faith that there's corn in the, inside of those husks. And so on and so forth. But we just have to believe and to have faith in those things that we can't always see, but we know is there. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you for those things that are unseen. We thank you... For our belief and our faith in those things. Just help our faith to grow. And help us to believe even though we can't always see. We pray this to you. Amen.
3: Let's stand and sing hymn number
0: 43. This is my Father's
3: pray with me dear heavenly father we gather today collectively as a group we speak to you in our own through our own individual souls but today we come as a group because we need you but we need your creations each of us around we bring our sorrows we bring our joys we bring our fears and we bring our happiness But mostly we bring our gratitude, our gratitude for the love that you give to each of us. In your name we pray, amen. Amen.
1: Isn't that beautiful? Be still and know that I am God. A little girl once asked her mother, Mom, how did the human race get here? And so her mother answered, Well, first God made Adam and Eve and they had children, and so on it went. So a couple of days later, the little girl asked her father the same question. And the father said, Well, Many years ago, there were these monkeys from which the human race evolved. And so the confused little girl returned to her mother and, asked, and said, Mom, how is it possible that you told me that the human race was created by God and Dad said that we were developed for monkeys? And her mother said, Well, dear, it's very simple. I told you about my side of the family, and your dad was telling you about his side of the family. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> you know, one of the questions that divides the Christian community is, is that. Where where do we come from? How did we get here? It, and is there a God who set it all in place? And for some Christians, this is not an issue. The biblical description of creation is, is all they need. God said it, and I believe it. But there are other Christians who feel that they need to, need to deal with the With science in an open and honest way. And my topic for today is not creationism versus evolution, but I do want to address those of you who need more than just a biblical explanation. And I do want you to understand that the more I learn about science, which honestly is not a whole lot, but the more I learn about science, the deeper my faith in Christ becomes. Because folks, there are there are a lot of things in this world that we believe, even though we have never seen it. We and, it's, and I'm not talking just religious things. There are a lot of things that we believe, even though we've never seen it. For example, as children, we learned that the earth is round. And when we went to kindergarten or first grade, we saw the globe and we see that the earth is round and it's a spherical thing. But how many of you have ever traveled into outer space and looked back at the earth to see it for yourself? Anybody? One. <laughs> I, I knew you were a little spacey back there. <laughs> no, no, I, I don't, and I don't believe you. None of us. None of us. But we believe what we've been taught, don't we? It was the ancient Greeks who first theorized that the earth is round. This discovery is attributed to Pythagoras, who first proposed sometime back around 500 BC that the earth is a sphere floating in space. And it is said that when he declared this theory, a grave silence fell upon the lecture hall as his listeners were amazed. They wondered how in the world could we live on a sphere? It was incomprehensible for them. I mean, common sense suggested that the earlier philosophers were correct when, we, when they said that the earth was flat, a flat disk floating on the air. But Pythagoras deduced that the, the idea that the earth is round based on the observation that the earth casts a circular shadow upon the moon during an eclipse. Well, this revolutionary idea was accepted by Aristotle and other philosophers, and it it became pretty much common knowledge as early as 300 B.C. But most of the rest of humanity had to accept it on faith. And it has only been during my lifetime, that human beings have ventured into outer space and affirmed that Pythagoras was correct. The world really is round. Now, of course, there are still some folks who belong to an organization called the Flat Earth Society. And they still believe, based on their limited experience, that the idea that the earth is a sphere is preposterous. They don't believe that. And some people still contend that human beings have not actually landed on the moon. That's a government hoax, they believe. And honestly, I have no idea how to deal with those folks. But most of us have accepted these, these truths of science. And we believe, even though we have not seen. Scientists tell us, that life began to emerge on earth as early as three and a half billion years ago. And that's amazing. They also tell us that our earth is rotating on its axis at 1,100 miles per hour. And that our earth is revolving around the sun at 481,000 miles per hour. And that our sun and our whole solar system are whirling into outer space at the rate of 57 million miles per hour. Is that right, brother? He's, he's, he's the smart one in the family. <laughs> he does this kind of stuff as a hobby. But think about that. Think about that. All. 1,100 miles an hour, 481,000 miles an hour, 57 million miles an hour. Anybody feel dizzy? Maybe we should. We should. Maybe we ought to be passing out some, some motion sickness uh, medicine here. But here's the thing. We don't feel like we're moving at all, do we? And so it takes a leap of faith to believe all of that. But some very smart people that I know and trust tell me that this is true. And so I believe it. Furthermore, they tell us that this universe is enormous. And it is. And this is more than just mere conjecture. For four decades now, there have been two Voyager spacecrafts that have been hurtling beyond the edge of our solar system at a rate of 100,000 miles per hour. And these two spacecraft now are approximately 12 billion miles away from the Earth. And when these crafts were still responding to signals from Earth at about 9 billion miles, engineers would, would beam commands to them at the speed of light, and it would take these commands 13 hours to get there, even at the speed of light. And it is estimated that to send a message to the edge of our universe at the speed of light, it would take approximately 15 billion years to get there. And within this enormous universe, there are billions and billions of galaxies. Folks, I don't know about you, but that's more than I can get my mind around. But isn't it? a magnificent thought that we live in such an amazing universe. And just the magnificence of it, just the, the order and the logical systems that are displayed within our universe, it, that, that tends to tell me that there must be some kind of guiding hand at work here. British astrophysicist Fred Hoyle, compares the likelihood of life appearing on Earth by accident as the equivalent to the possibility that a tornado sweeps through a junkyard and assembles a Boeing 747 from the materials that it picks up there in the junkyard. An accident? I don't think so. And and there's a story about the caveman who was out hunting one day, and and he found a modern-day watch. I, I don't know how that happened, but... You know, it happened. He found a modern-day watch, and he took notice of this strange-looking object on the ground. He picked it up, and he heard that it's making a ticking sound. And he looks at the face of the watch and sees the hands going around and around. And he, he opens up the inside of the watch and sees the intricate system in there, the gears and the and all that, and, and and all of the order of everything. And he didn't know what he had in his hand here, but he said if there's a watch, then there must be a watchmaker. And that's the way a lot of us respond to this amazing universe that we have. Without a watchmaker, there could be no watch. And without a supreme intelligence, there could be no universe. There's just no way in this world that uh, with, with all of its immensity and all of its intricacy and beauty, there's no way that this could have just simply happened. As the Geico commercial says, even a caveman could see that. You remember Thornton Wilder's classic play, Our Town? There's a scene in which Emily is talking about a letter that Jane Croft gets uh, from her minister when she's sick. And the letter is addressed like this. Jane Croft, Crofit Farms. Grover's Corners, Sutton County, New Hampshire, the United States of America, continent of North America, Western Hemisphere, the earth, the solar system, the universe, the mind of God. And that's right, isn't it? The mind of God. That's where it all began. Science might be able to tell us how it happened, but faith tells us why it happened. A father told of taking his family on a camping trip out to Mesa Verde National Park in Colorado, and he said that the sky that night seemed more brilliant than they had ever seen it before. The stars were so close that they felt like they could almost touch them. And so their three boys decided that they would put their sleeping bags out on the ground so that they could go to sleep watching the stars that night. The man and his wife were just settling down for the night, and their youngest boy came into the tent dragging his sleeping bag with him. And his parents asked, is it too cold out there? What's the matter? And the boy said, no. It's just that I never realized how small I am. It does make us feel small, doesn't it? But it also reminds us of how great and how wonderful God is. And even if you were determined to be an agnostic, you would still be left with mysteries that science cannot answer. And the first of these is the creation of the universe itself. The second is that once upon a time, some of this inanimate matter here on this earth suddenly came to life. And the third is that some of that matter that came to life gained the ability to think, to be motivated, to seek and to imagine and, and even to hope. And if you weren't that impressed by the immensity and the intricacy of, of it all, the wondrous The beauty of creation should show us the sheer lunacy of believing that this could all happen by chance. Jonathan Edwards once wrote that creation is God's greatest evangelist. And he was right. And you know, that's one of the reasons that you and I are here today. It's because we can't imagine a universe such as ours coming into being without some intelligent being saying, let there be light. And whether that happened in seven days or millions of billions of years, that's irrelevant to me. The point is that it happened because God caused it to happen. And there's another reason that we are here today. And that is because 2,000 years ago in a place called Jerusalem, a man named Jesus rose from the dead. We weren't there. We didn't see it with our own eyes. But you know what? There were a lot of good, reliable people who did see it. So let us listen to their testimony. And to in today's lesson from the... Gospel of Luke, we discover that when Jesus was seen after he was raised from the dead, some of his closest friends reacted with shock and disbelief. They thought that he was a ghost. They wanted to touch him. They wanted to hold him. And you know, we can't really blame them. I mean, how would we react? How could this man be dead today and then alive tomorrow? It doesn't make any sense to us. Pastor Minerva uh, Carcano tells about a church member that she had who had not seen his family in over 20 years. They had had a a conflict in the family, and he had been hurt terribly, and he decided to, to leave home and never come back again. But then more than 20 years later, he had a change of heart, knowing that he needed to be reconciled with his family. So he gathered up all of his emotional courage and strength, and he went back home. Well, his mothers and sisters who had not heard from him a word during all of these, this long period of separation, they had even wondered if he was dead or alive. They didn't know. And when he came to them, they responded just like those early followers of Jesus who first saw him after the resurrection. When the man arrived at his home, his family was startled, frightened. They never expected to see him again. Was it really him? Was he back for revenge? They wondered. But then finally their pain became joy. The joy of disbelief that this son, this brother was alive and he had come back to them. And and all through their visit, the mother and the sisters would, would say to him, we can't believe it's really you. And they would touch Him and they would hug Him just for a sense of verification that it was really Him. And that's the way these disciples reacted when they first saw Christ after the resurrection. They wanted to touch Him. They wanted to feel where the the nails pierced His hands. They needed proof that He was alive I mean, if he were just an apparition, it would be too easy easy to dismiss his appearance as a mass psychosis brought on by grief. But they touched him. They ate with him. This was no ghost. He really was the risen Christ. Of this, they had no doubt. And that became obvious from what happened next. Because, you see, Jesus gave them their mission. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. And he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, Beginning in Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. I want you to notice that they were to be witnesses. So what is a witness? Well, they became great witnesses. They were fearless. No matter how hard the religious and political authorities tried to shut him up or shut them up, They would not recant their faith. And that word that Luke uses here that translates as witness, it's a unique word in Greek. It has two or three meanings. Initially, it simply meant someone who was an eyewitness, someone who saw something with their own eyes. They were a witness to this. And in that sense, the disciples were certainly witnesses. Secondly... It can also mean someone who might not have actually seen something, but who believes it strongly enough that an an event actually happened, that they were willing to tell others about it. Paul fit into that category. He was a witness, even though he wasn't present for Jesus's actual ministry. You and I also fit into that category. But the third meaning of, of this word for witness, and the one that I think probably applies most is this we get the word martyr from the Greek word witness it even sounds like it martus is the Greek word for witness and of course a martyr is someone who is killed for their convictions for their witness the Greeks understood the connection between martyrdom and being a witness and so did, so did the disciples according to tradition not a one of the disciples died a natural death with the possible exception of of John who died in exile on the isle of patmos and my in my opinion that's why we know that their witness is a, is reliable because folks who would be stupid enough to die for something that they knew was not true? Now, I can understand that people with a secondhand faith might be reluctant to give their lives. I mean, after all, there might be some doubt to what they believe. But these with these disciples, there was no doubt. You see, they were there. They spoke with absolute certainty. They saw the nail-scarred hands. They spoke with him. They ate with him. They touched him. And eventually they died for him. And there can be no doubt, I believe, of their reliability. Chuck Colson said it well, I think. And for our younger worshipers, Chuck Colson went to prison as a part of the infamous Watergate uh, burglary and cover-up cover up during the Nixon administration and Richard Nixon's presidency. Colson was a part of a, a conspiracy and a cover-up covering up a crime that was committed by high government officials. And this is what Colson said. He said, the Watergate cover-up reveals the true nature of human beings. Even political zealots at the pinnacle of power will in a crunch save their own necks even at the expense of the ones that they profess to serve. But the apostles could not not deny Jesus because they had seen him face to face and they knew that he had risen from the dead. He goes on to say that, no, you can take it from an expert in (laughs) cover-ups. that nothing less than a resurrected Christ could have caused those men to maintain to their dying day that Jesus is alive and is Lord. And now 2,000 years later, nothing less than the power of the risen Christ could inspire Christians around the world to remain faithful despite prison and torture and, yes, even death. Yes, it is a matter of faith. But folks that does not mean that we have to turn our minds off and accept something as truth that might be appealing but really doesn't have much substance. Just as we have accepted the teachings of science no matter how incredible it may be because of the we have accepted the witness of authorities that we trust. In the same way we also accept the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because we accept the testimony of reliable witnesses. And now we seek to be reliable witnesses as well. The old gospel hymn says, he lives, he lives. Christ Jesus lives today. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. My friends, that's the best evidence that there is of the resurrection of Jesus. So won't you open your heart and let the risen Christ take residence there today? We know it's true. Because we believe those who are there. He lives. I think it's pretty appropriate right now for us to sing together. That wondrous hymn, He Lives. Number 533, He Lives. He Lives. Christ Jesus Lives Today. This will be our closing hymn. We'll sing all three verses. As people of faith, we have gathered for worship. And now, as people of faith, we return to the world. Go and share the story of your faith in word and in deed, in speech and in action. And as you go to testify to God's love, which is active in the world, go knowing that God goes with you, sharing the laughter and the hope and the fears, and the tears. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.